We're going to be starting into a, a new series of messages, and uh, we're going to be talking about the book of Proverbs. Many of you are probably pretty familiar with, with Proverbs. I'm guessing that a lot of you have read through it. Uh, maybe some of you are in the habit of reading a, a chapter of Proverbs a day. Uh, that's kind of handy because there's 31 chapters, and in a lot of months, there's 31 uh, days. That's all, that's all good. Um, and Proverbs is, is one of those books of the Bible that uh, is really well known, but I wonder if it's really lived, if you know what I mean. Um, probably all of us could, could think of a proverb or two, and, and that's great, but the real question is, are you living according to that proverb? Um, as I was doing a, a lot of different study about just the, the book of Proverbs in general, and that's kind of what I'm going for today, is just an intro to the book, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on from there. But as I was reading, there, almost every book, every resource that I looked at started out by, by talking about how much information is in our world today. And... This is one of the, I'm always hesitant about making absolute statements, but uh, I'm going to go there and I'm going to say, I think, oh, there's a qualifier, so I guess it's not absolute, but I think that, that today our world has more information than ever before. Um, and that information is easy to get. Anybody can get it. If I asked you guys right now, um, somebody find me a recipe for Hassenpfeffer. What would you guys do? Yeah, you Google it. You ask Siri, right? And boom, there's 20 recipes, right? Now you're going to do that after the service. Don't do it right now. Um, if I was like, you know, I took my car to the shop, and the mechanic told me I needed new fuel injectors. I don't even know what a fuel injector is. What can I do? I can look it up, right? I can Google it. I can look at the reviews for the shop that I went to, and I can try and decipher, well, is this guy just you know, trying to gouge me, or is he, uh, is he a good mechanic? Is he going to you know, be truthful and honest and all this stuff? There's all kinds of information out there that I can get, right? And it's just almost immediate. But there's a difference between information and knowledge and wisdom. Information is just the, the, the facts that are out there. And, and there's a lot of it. Um, like I said, on the internet, uh, you go to the library, it is filled with information, all right? If you take that information into your head, it becomes knowledge. It's something that you know, right? I know a lot of things. But information and knowledge are different than wisdom. Wisdom is taking that information, taking that knowledge, and then doing something with it, putting it to use. Um, 
this may seem kind of silly to some of you, but I don't know why. I just have this strange attraction with axes and hatchets and things like that. Um, and I've been known to, uh, you know, go on YouTube and watch videos about axes and hatchets and how to properly hang a head on an axe. I never knew that it was called hanging a head, but that's what it's called, hanging a head, where you take the, the handle and you put the head on it. And, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive. Most people, when they do that, they would just whack the head, you know, and put it on. But you're actually supposed to flip it upside down and you hit the butt of the handle and it puts the head on. So there's information for you. Um, and it's knowledge for me. But then um, I have this axe head or this hatchet head in my garage. And so over the past couple of weeks, I've been trying to put that information and that knowledge into practice. And I found out that I'm not so wise when it comes to um, actually hanging a head on an axe because there were some things that I did right. There were some th things that I did wrong and I had to go back and tweak it and all that kind of stuff. Putting that, that knowledge and that information to, to work is, uh, is wisdom. Um, there is a, a book that's called The Proverbs Driven Life. And that's kind of where uh, a lot of my information for this sermon and a lot of the ideas for the coming sermons have kind of come from that book. And in that book, The Proverbs Driven Life, it's written by Anthony Salvaggio. Um, he has a definition for wisdom. He says, wisdom is an ability to make good decisions based on knowledge and then act on those decisions in a way that's effective and makes a difference. So it's, it's knowledge, but then it involves action, right? All this to say, the book of Proverbs is about wisdom, in the book of Proverbs, you'll, there's a lot of information. And you may know some of it, but the real test of whether you are living a Proverbs-driven life, like the title of that book, the real test is, are you taking that information and that knowledge and applying it to different situations in your life, different relationships, uh, different challenges? Are you actually using it uh, in your day-to-day -day life. There's so much information in our world. We're lacking wisdom. We're lacking the ability to use that information in a proper way, in a way that glorifies and honors God. There's... Uh, if you read through the Old Testament and you read through the book of Judges, you'll see that uh, God raises up a judge and he sets the, the course of Israel back in, in a good way, right? But then that judge dies. And what happens soon after that? Are you guys familiar with the, the phrase? Everyone starts doing what is right in their own eyes, right? So... God raises somebody up and they impart godly wisdom to the people of Israel. And for a while, 
They live according to wisdom. They do what is right. They do what God wants them to do, but then that person dies. And, and not very long after, everybody goes back to doing whatever is right in their own eyes. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you look around in our society, our culture, what do you see? Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, right? And how dare you tell me that I can't do what's right in my own eyes? Because I am God, basically, is what people are saying. I get to do what I want, when I want, and you can't say anything. And if you do, you're a bigot, you are hateful, you're a horrible person. Is that wisdom? No, it's chaos. <laughs> it's foolishness. And it's everywhere. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. The book of Proverbs is an interesting thing because it imparts or it can impart wisdom to one who reads it. Like I said, there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of knowledge that can be gained. But the real trick is when you look at the Proverbs, are you going to take that information and that knowledge and put it to use? Our culture, our society, even our church in, in large part has, has forsaken wisdom and has followed foolishness. They have followed what's right in their own eyes. And we, we are in a state where we really need to come back to God's word and see what his word says about our lives and how to speak, how to act, how to think, so that we can be wise, so that we can take biblical knowledge, biblical understanding, and put it to use. There is a, uh, a very sad verse in the book of Romans, if you want to turn there. Romans chapter 1 talks about how God has revealed himself to people in a general sense. He has revealed his power He's revealed who he is, and this is how man responds. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom, and the Bible tells us that, unfortunately, the general state of mankind is not that we are wise, but that we are fools. Um, mankind, in his sinfulness, has taken the knowledge of God that is, that is out there and has said, meh, no, it's not God. It's just random things that have happened over billions and billions of years. And 
There's no real reason for it. The only reason is the reason that we make, right? We are the masters of our domain. We are the ones who can set the course for all of humanity. They have taken the knowledge of God and they have not acknowledged that the things around really are him. They have become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. Now that's the, the natural state of mankind. Naturally, men need wisdom because they are fools. Um, and that tendency to be foolish carries over into our Christian life too. There's a, a great verse in the book of Colossians where we're studying the book of Colossians in our high school Sunday school class and we actually um, just went over this verse this morning. But Colossians uh, chapter two, verse three says this, in whom, and when it says in whom, it's talking about Christ. So in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So naturally, we're fools. Where do we get wisdom? Where do we get knowledge? Well, it's, it's in Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the ultimate foolishness, you could say, is to deny God, to deny that he exists, to deny that he uh, sent his son to die on the cross to provide a way for us to have relationship with him, to provide a way for forgiveness of sins, to provide hope for the future. The ultimate foolishness is to deny that. The ultimate wisdom is found in Christ. I'm hoping that most of you, many of you, wouldn't it be great if all of you have found the true wisdom that is in Christ. Salvation is really the start of wisdom. Before salvation, there is no true wisdom because you may be smart, you may have a lot of knowledge, you may even have a lot of people who like you, but you are, you are darkened in your heart, in your spirit, and in your mind, and you don't truly know wisdom until you find Christ. And at that moment of salvation, the doorway to wisdom is opened up for you. Now, here's the thing though, we don't automatically just get it all. We don't automatically just become perfect and react to every situation with perfect wisdom and perfect knowledge. No, there's a process, right? It's called sanctification. After salvation comes sanctification, and that is what the, the book of Proverbs is about, is this is God saying, all right, you know me, you know my son, you have exchanged the foolishness of man for the wisdom that is in Christ, and now here's some more wisdom for you. Here's some more uh, tidbits on how life works and how to properly represent Christ in your daily life, in your thinking, in your actions, in your words.
Here is wisdom. Take it. And that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's, it's knowledge and it turns into wisdom when we take it and we apply it to things in our lives. There's a, a word that uh, Proverbs uses quite a bit, and I've already been using it, but it's, it's the word fool. When you read through the book of Proverbs, you see this constantly. You see the fool and you see the wise man. And there's kind of an assumption by, by um, the Proverbs that, that we are starting out as fools <laughs> and we need to get wise. Now, this isn't necessarily talking about that ultimate sense of are you in Christ or are you not? Um, that is one uh, kind of area that, that Proverbs doesn't talk a whole lot about, but Proverbs is written for that person who has put their faith in Christ, and now it's saying, okay, you were a fool in the ultimate sense. Now you've, you've been saved, and you are in Christ, and you have a certain amount of wisdom, but you need more wisdom. You're still kind of foolish in the way you act. So let me give you some more help. And the book of Proverbs goes through, and if we were to read and read and read and read the book of Proverbs and, and take it into our hearts and our minds and do everything that it, it really said, we would become wise. We would go from fools to wise people. And that's, that's the goal of the book of Proverbs is to move you along in your walk with Christ and make you wise. Help you to know how to um, incorporate God's wisdom into your daily life, into your daily routine. So Proverbs is all about making the fool wise. And we all need this. Uh, you may be further along in your sanctification than me, and you may be, uh, maybe you have more wisdom in certain areas, but we all need wisdom for something in our life, right? I mean, is anyone here perfect? I guess if you are, you could come up here and you could just take over. Anyone? No? Okay. So we're all fools in some way who need to be wise, right? And, and that's where, where Proverbs is trying to lead us. Now, there's an interesting thing. Um, James talks about this. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Asks a really good question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Anyone want to raise their hand for that one? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So James is saying, hey, who's wise? How do you know if somebody's wise? How do you know if there's somebody who has taken the, the wisdom of, of Proverbs and other books in the Bible and has actually put them to use? Well, you see it in their good conduct. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, it's important here that he notes this person shows their good conduct, but they do it with meekness. They're, they're not proud. They aren't saying, hey, look at me. I do everything right. They just, they act according to God's word, according to God's wisdom, 
and it's evident to all, they're not bragging, but you just know when you're around them, like, that's a wise person. I, I see it everywhere in his life. Anybody know somebody kind of like that? I've known some wise people, and, and they, don't, they don't flaunt it. They don't say, hey, you really should be more like me. Um, you know, they just, they make good decisions, biblical, godly decisions. They give good advice. They love the scriptures. They love their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's just like, wow, that's a wise person. How do they get there? Well, it's, it's a process of taking the knowledge that Proverbs and other books of the Bible have and putting it to work. Now, I should mention too that um, we don't do this all on our own, right? We have the spirit who indwells us, who empowers us, who convicts us to do these things that the Bible says. And again, this comes back to the fact that if you don't have Christ, you don't have the spirit and you can't truly know what wisdom is. An unbeliever could take the book of Proverbs, memorize it, um, could do some of the things in it, but it would be twisted. It, it, it would be corrupted somehow. Um, it wouldn't be true wisdom. We need Christ. We need his spirit in us, working in us to truly have wisdom. How do we know if we have wisdom or understanding? It shows. People know it. But uh, going back to James 3, verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. There's a type of godly wisdom that's out there, and there's other wisdom. And that other wisdom is earthly. It's unspiritual, and it could, in fact, be demonic. It could be inspired by the enemy. And someone who is wise is able to see the difference. Going back to James 3, verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. How do you know if somebody is following that earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom? Well, again, you see it in their actions. You see it in their words. You see it in their thoughts and in the fact that there is every vile practice going on. Uh, they're not following godly wisdom. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's the wisdom from above. That is the wisdom that God gives us in the book of Proverbs. One more thing before we kind of get into some of the details. The book of Proverbs is, is awesome because if you study the attributes of God, which we have a Sunday school that's been going through the attributes of God um, in the adult Sunday school class, and I don't know if these have been covered or not, but there are two interesting attributes of God. One is his transcendence, and one is his imminence. His transcendence basically means that God is... He's like 
so big and huge and like we can't even fathom him because he is so other. It's kind of related to his holiness. It's just that he is, he's God and he's huge and powerful and he is above everything. He transcends everything. And some people get fixated on that and they think, well, you know, God's so huge, like he's not really going to care about this little thing that I'm doing, is he? I mean, he's so big. There's so much going on. He's not going to see. Well, he's also imminent, meaning he's so huge, but he, and he transcends everything, and yet he's able to focus his attention on every single thing in the universe, all at the same time. Again, in, in the book of Colossians, there's this verse that, speaking about Jesus, says that he holds all things together. Um, the reason this building and you and I and every single atom in the universe doesn't just fly apart is because God is holding it together. And he's got all of that on his plate, plus he cares about every single detail of your life and my life and everybody else here. And he's got that all in focus all at the same time. He is imminent. He is here. And he, he cares. He's not like the, the deist who said, well, God made things, but then he just kind of sat back and said, well, you know, do your thing. No, he, he, he's involved, especially if you are one of his children. If you know Christ, he wants to be involved in your life. And one of the cool things about Proverbs is the book of Proverbs shows us his imminence in the fact that it talks about how to use your money, how to talk to people, how to do the little things in your life the right way. If we had a God who is just transcendent and huge and above and beyond all things, we may not have the book of Proverbs. He might just say, eh, do, you know, that's your problem, figure it out. But he's imminent and he cares about every single little detail. And so he's given us the book of Proverbs and said, here's some guidelines. Here's some wisdom. I'm not only the God of the universe and who makes everything, but I, I care about the little details of your life. I care about you becoming like Christ in every single way. And so I'm going to give you help. I'm going to give you wisdom. So the book of Proverbs is written to, to bring us from this place of foolishness to wisdom. And it's given to us because God cares. He's not aloof. We can't sneak things by him. He cares about everything, every little detail. A little bit of history, if you will, about the book of Proverbs. Um, the book of Proverbs is generally uh, attributed to, to King Solomon. 
um, if you read the first verse, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. There's actually several authors that add to the book of Proverbs. And there's actually uh, seven different collections of Proverbs or sayings or, or wisdom. Um, just the, the general kind of outline for it, the first seven verses are kind of an, an introduction for the whole book of Proverbs. Uh, then from chapter 1, verse 8, all the way up through chapter 9, verse 18, you have um, these, these poems where, where wisdom and folly are personified. So you have wisdom calling out and saying, hey, listen to me, come to me. And you have folly doing the exact same thing, saying, don't listen to wisdom, follow me, follow me. And we, we see this in, in several different ways where wisdom is, is beckoning us and is saying, don't, don't fall for the foolish ways of this world. They, they may look good, but man, in the end, they're not, they're bitter. They're harsh and don't follow them. Follow me, follow wisdom. We see that in several different ways and in several different topics in those first uh, nine chapters. And then there's collection uh, two starting in uh, chapter 10. And these are where you get the uh, short pithy sayings um, where almost every verse is like a new topic. And if you were to try and preach exegetically, like right through the book of Proverbs, it would be a nightmare because um, you're going from one topic to another, to another, to another, to another. And as you read the Proverbs as a whole, you start to see that, oh, there's a lot that talks about children and parents. Oh, there's a lot that talk about money. There's a lot that talk about your words. There's a lot that talk about this and this and this. And as you go through, you can kind of grab, you know, the different Proverbs and, and bring them together under different subject headings. But as you read, it, they're just all over the place. Um, and it, it's, it's hard to sometimes read the Proverbs because you read one thing and what you're really meant to do is to stop and ponder. Like... What does this mean? How does this apply? Are you being convicted by this verse? Do you know somebody in your life who can maybe be helped by this verse, this proverb? Unfortunately, and I do this too, like I'll just read through a chapter of Proverbs and at the end I go, uh... I'm not quite sure what I just read. I mean, there was, I was here, I was there, I was, eh, oh well, you know, on to the next thing. And that's not how the book of Proverbs is, is meant to be read. We're supposed to read these things and, and think about them and ponder and pray. Do I, how can I apply this wisdom? Um, so anyways, the, the first group of those types of Proverbs was written by Solomon. It starts in chapter 10. It goes all the way through chapter 22, verse 16. And then we have a shorter section um, called the, the Sayings of the Wise. And there are two of these sections. And we're not real sure where 
these sayings come from, but they're wise. And, you know, God has inspired them. They're, they're in his word and, and they fit with the rest of the book. That's good, godly wisdom given to us by people who are wise. So take it to heart. There's two of those sections. Uh, the first one is chapter 22, verse 17 through 24, verse 22. And then the second is 24, 23 through 34. Uh, starting in chapter 25, verse 1, we have another collection of Proverbs by Solomon again. Solomon has two uh, sections where he has these short, pithy sayings. Um, his second goes from chapter 25, verse 1 through 29, verse 27. After that, we have the sayings of Augur or Agur. I'm not exactly sure how to, to say that. Um, but again, these are uh, the proverbs that you're familiar with. They're the short sayings. Um, and after him, he's uh, chapter 30, verse 1 through uh, verse 33. And then the book ends with Proverbs 31, which um, all the women say doesn't really count, so we should just throw it out, right? Just kidding. Um, chapter 31, the, uh, the godly wife, and these are the sayings of Lemuel. And again, he is a, a wise person. He uh, um, was acquainted with Solomon and the way of wisdom, and there's a lot of good things in there. So that's kind of the basic uh, outline or breakdown of the book. And there are seven main collections of things and all of it, though, is under this general heading of wisdom. And if we look at the first seven verses, we kind of understand why this, this book was written. So Proverbs 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So why all this stuff? Why all these collections of Proverbs? Well, so that you would have wisdom. So that you could be instructed in the ways of the Lord to understand words of insight. And where does all this begin? Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this goes back to that ultimate test of wisdom and foolishness. Are you one who denies God? Who says, eh, didn't happen. Bible, you're a fool. That's what the Proverbs say, because you don't fear God. You don't have respect for him. You don't tremble before him as the God of the universe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And in Christ, 
what? There are all the riches of wisdom and understanding, right? So fearing God starts out with salvation, understanding who Christ is, what he's done. And then from there, we can properly be instructed. We can understand. We can have insight into the words of the wise. Without it, without Christ, it's a bunch of words. It's a bunch of things. Maybe you'll get some good advice, but like I said before, it'll be tainted or twisted somehow. Now, as we look through the, the book of Proverbs and as we work our way through, um, just a, a couple of, of things to remember. Um, this whole genre of wisdom literature is something that was, uh, that was popular back when Solomon was, was writing this. There were other non-biblical writers who had their own books of, of wisdom literature and it was, um, it was so popular that, that people would, would travel around from place to place trying to find the, the wisest person. Um, we see that with Solomon. He's, he's visited by all sorts of different people from all over the world. They come to sit and to listen to Solomon and his wisdom. And this isn't... Um, this isn't exactly the way that we do it nowadays, but uh, that, that same kind of thing still kind of goes on. You have uh, inspirational speakers. You have people who claim to be wise about uh, how to eat, um, you know, all protein, no carbs, uh, lots of fat, you know, whatever the latest thing is. They, they're claiming to be wise, and what do people do? They flock to them, right? And they say, oh, teach us, wise one. <laughs> you know, and and this, this idea of revering wisdom has, um, has dwindled a bit. But back in Solomon's day, I mean, that was like, if you were termed wise, that was a big deal. And for Solomon to be the wisest person on earth was, was an indication that, that God's favor was really on him. That... Um, you know, this wasn't just some average Joe Schmo. Like the things that he said, we you should listen to because he's he's wise, and and they were tested in different situations. So, um, the these proverbs are they're they're wisdom and they're given mostly in these these short pithy sayings. They're, they're poetry. Um, some of them. Uh, will use metaphor, they'll use simile, they'll use all kinds of different um, word pictures to get you to understand the meaning behind the, the proverb. And one of the things that you need to do if you're gonna read through Proverbs and really understand it is you have to like the English language. And like understand what metaphors are and similes and things like that. Because without that understanding, you, you, you kind of miss some of, of what uh, the Proverbs talk about. They're poetic, pithy sayings that are general truths about life. Um, 
some of the things that, that you should do when you're, when you're coming to the book of Proverbs, if you're just reading through it, number one, pray. Um, this is God's word and his spirit will illuminate his word to you, but ask for wisdom. If you go to the Proverbs thinking that you know it all, you're gonna miss a lot. So number one, humble yourself and pray. And uh, Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24 says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Proverbs has the way everlasting. So humble yourself and pray and ask God, will you help me to understand what I'm about to read? and help him to see if I need this. Pray, seek counsel. You know, you may come across a proverb where you're just like, I have no idea what that means. Guess what, that abundance of knowledge that we have, there's a lot of good resources on the internet where you can look up. There's a lot of commentaries that you can look it up or you can just ask a friend, say, I was reading Proverbs and uh, you know, this one came up and what in the world do you think that means? Help one another, you know, bounce ideas off each other and, and talk. That's really, these, these proverbs are kind of like um, the, the start of a conversation. Or they can be the start of a conversation. So as we come to Proverbs, pray, seek counsel because some of it you, you'll need help with. Do it. James 1, 20 through 25. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The book of Proverbs is a mirror. When you read it, you'll see yourself. Don't be this guy that James talk, talks about who sees himself and then closes his Bible and forgets it. Take it to heart. Do it. That's why they're here. Not all of these Proverbs will apply to situations that you're going through, but some of them will. And for those that do, do it, apply it. Some warnings about the book of Proverbs. Um, first warning, the Proverbs aren't mysteries. Sometimes we, we approach the Bible and we go, all right, I gotta find the true meaning of what's here. You know, I gotta figure out, no, it's just, it's a proverb. So take it at face value. It's not a mystery for you to figure out. It's just a saying, it's wisdom. So take it as that. Let's look at something here. Turn to Proverbs chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. Proverbs 14, 19 through 20. The evil bow down before the good, 
the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Hmm, what's the mystery here? Huh? Let's figure it out. Evil bow down before the good. How can I get the evil to bow down before the good? You could spend 10, 20 years trying to find the mystery behind that saying. And most likely it's not there. It's just a generality. It's saying the evil bow down before the good, the wicked at the gates of the righteous. It's a general thing. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many fools. It's, it's just a general saying. It's not a mystery. When it says the poor is, even, uh, is disliked even by his neighbor, what it means is that there are situations where a poor person is disliked by his neighbor. Pretty mysterious, huh? Yeah. Proverbs aren't mysteries. Um, they're also not commands. Okay, so same verses. The evil bow down before the good. All right, let's go find some evil people. Make them bow down, right? Because we're all good. Who's evil here? If you're evil, you must bow down. Proverbs 14 says it. Evil, bow down before the good. It's a proverb, it's not a command. You can't take that and, and force that into reality. Does that make sense? Because it's a proverb, it's not a command. Um, they're not mysteries, they're not commands. Also, a proverb has to be, um, you have to use some wisdom to know, is this saying something that is good? Or is this saying something that is bad? Is this something to emulate? Or is this something to, uh, to stay away from? Let's look at these same verses. Evil bow down before the good, the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. So verse 20, poor is disliked even by his neighbors. So that means, well, my poor neighbor, I don't have to like him, Right? No. Number one, it's not a command. Number two, like that's actually, a, that's a bad thing, right? That the poor would be disliked by his neighbor is a bad thing, not a good thing, right? So there has to be some, some wisdom there to go, okay, this is a generality. This is something that, that happens, but is it good? No, right? This is actually bad. And the rich have many friends. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Kind of depends, but in general, it seems kind of bad because it, it seems like it's implying that the rich have friends simply because they're rich. And the poor don't have friends because they're poor. So what's the wisdom there? Does money matter? It shouldn't, right? So are these good things? Are they bad things? We have to, we have to understand that. Also, wisdom is, is it's not a guarantee. 
There are a lot of Proverbs that say, if you do this, this happens. It's not a guarantee because sometimes you do this and that doesn't happen. Or sometimes it just doesn't happen right away. And that's another thing to remember. God's timetable is not our timetable. Look at those same verses. Verse 19, the evil bow down before the good. So if you're good and there's a lot of evil people around you, but they're subjecting you to persecution and those things, and you read this and you go, oh, that's not true. But wait a second, is that true? That the evil bow down before the good? Well, you know, you can look at that and say, well, yeah, I mean, in an ultimate sense, like when Jesus returns, what happens? Every knee bows. Every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So sometimes our, our, our timetable is different than, than God's timetable when we're reading the Proverbs. And we just have to be careful about that. Does it say, do this and immediately you get that? Meh, not necessarily. We also have to remember that the Bible is bigger than a single proverb. So there are proverbs that say, do good and good will be done to you-ish type things. But does that always happen? It doesn't always happen. And we see in the bigger context of the Bible that that definitely doesn't always happen, right? So all of these proverbs are, are generalities. They're, they're truths, they're wisdom, but they need to be taken in the general context of the Bible, right? And if, you know, if you're thinking one way about a certain proverb, but then you think of a, a portion of scripture in, in Matthew that says something that seems contradictory, well, do some, do some studying there, you know? W what is the truth? Look for other examples of it in, in God's word because a single proverb is not the whole of the Bible. So some warnings, uh, they're not generally mysteries. Uh, they're not commands. We have to decipher whether they're good or bad. We have to um, realize that, that a lot of these are not guarantees. Um, we have to understand that our timing and God's timing can be different. And we have to remember that these Proverbs fit with the rest of the Bible. They're, they're part of the rest of the Bible. So we need, to, um, we need to look at them in the context of the whole of God's word. Well, having said all of this about Proverbs and what they are, and um, we're going to be, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at um, some specific topics that the, the Proverbs talk about um, I don't know if you have one of these, but they've been in the bulletin. I don't know if they were in the bulletin this week. I don't think they were. But you'll see next week we're talking about Proverbs, wisdom and friendships. Uh, the week after that, we're talking about wisdom in family, wisdom in anger, wisdom with words. So uh, we're not going to run through the whole book of Proverbs, but we're just going to look at it and say, look, here's God's wisdom 
for us. And we want to try and apply God's wisdom to different subject matter. So we have friendships, we have family, we have anger, and we have words that we're going to be working through. And um, it should be interesting. Hopefully it'll be challenging. And remember that, you know, the, the purpose of these Proverbs is to take us from from a state of foolishness to a state of wisdom. And you don't have to feel bad about, you know, where you are on the spectrum, just are you making progress? In Philippians, Paul says, forgetting what is behind, pressing on towards what is ahead. He's, he's working towards that goal of becoming like Christ in all ways. And that's what we should be doing. So hopefully in these, in these next messages, um, you'll find some wisdom for how to, how to treat your friends, how to relate to your family, how to deal with anger, and, and how to be careful with your words. Because these are all important things that, that we deal with on a daily basis. And, you know, remember also that the goal of this isn't to give you more information. There's plenty of information. There's plenty of knowledge. The goal is to give you wisdom, which is taking that knowledge, taking that information and doing it. Like James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. As we look at Proverbs, as we continue on, let's not forget what we look like right after looking at the mirror. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance to look just in general at the book of Proverbs. And I do hope and I pray that as we continue to uh, seek out wisdom from your word in these different subjects. Will you um, convict us where we need to be convicted? Will you allow us uh, to be humble? Lord, I pray that in these, these coming weeks that you would uh, search us, that you would try us, that you would um, show us where we have strayed from your wisdom. And Lord, Give us strength through your spirit to, to change thoughts, actions, words that need to change. And Lord, I ask this all, not so that we can bring glory to ourselves, but so that we can bring honor to you. Ultimately, Proverbs is, is about becoming more and more like your son. And I pray that, that you would accomplish that through the study of your word, through prayer, through circumstances of our lives. Help us to be encouraging to one another over the next weeks as we look at marriage, as we look at friendship and anger and our words. Help us to have good conversations and to build one another up and encourage each other to do the things that, that are talked about, Lord. Uh, we just, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. We commit the rest of this day and this week to you. And uh, Lord, you are ultimately wise. Help us to become more and more like you each day.
We ask this in your name. Amen.